Do me a favor and give Jesus some love this morning. Give him all the praise. Is he good? Oh, man, the last couple services I've started, the last couple services I've started with um, just this thought, and it's a thought that I give my, uh, my small groups that I teach, and um, it's this thought. What is God showing you about him right now? Um, what, what, whatever's going on in your life, what is he showing you about him and his character, and how is he teaching you about who he is? And so hopefully um, by the end of this service, you might have a better answer than whatever you have right now. I don't know. Um, but I want to, I, I forgot to do this in the second service, but I did it in the first. And I want to just celebrate real quick about all that God is doing in this place. Amen. Um, Last Sunday, we began our, our, three, ser- our three services, and um, like, it was the first time that we had ever done it, and um, I met with some other pastors this week, and one of them's like thinking about going to another service, and I was like, dude, if you, if you need to do it, just do it, and he was like, Adam, you are bold, and I was like, I didn't get here by not being bold, man, like, you didn't get here by not being bold, and so um, I want to, I just want to celebrate this morning, last Sunday, we had 426 people in church, yeah. Um, but the better story is that we had four people say yes to Jesus. I, I can't even begin to think of, like, if you told me, you know, seven years ago, almost seven years ago, when we started this church, that this is what it would be and this is what it would look like, I would, I would have told you you're crazy. Um, but, but God is good, and he's faithful, and we're going to celebrate his faithfulness every single time that we have the opportunity. But you know what? Listen, when there were three people at church on Sunday, that God was still faithful, just like when, he's, when, he's, uh, when there's more than that. So um, I just want to celebrate this morning what, what God has done and wanted to get started with that. Um, my name is Adam Harold. If I've never met you, welcome to the Refuge Church. My adorable wife, Tanya, and I have the privilege of leading this church called the Refuge. Together, we're a team. I can't do it without her. She can't do it without me on most days. And so um, I just, I love that woman, and I want to give her honor every Sunday that I can. And so um, I just, I just, I acknowledge her every week because uh, of how much I love her and what God's doing in her and through her uh, for our church. And I'm, listen, I'm just the guy with the microphone this morning. And so I want to make sure that you understand that this isn't happening because of me. Uh, because it's like, I think a lot, some churches um, have a tendency to, um, or s- maybe some pastors have the tendency to, to take the credit and not this one. So um, I just want to give credit where credit's due. Um, last week, we began a series on my favorite Bible story in all of the scriptures um, called The Prodigal Son. And um, it's, it's a really fu- deep and fun story. And um, I'm still up in the air on how many, um, how many weeks we're going to do in this. It's going to be five or six weeks. It's going to be our longest series to date. And um, just because of the depth that's here. And um, it's just, it's such a great story. Last week, we began by looking at first, so Luke chapter 15. If you want to turn in your Bibles, you can turn to Luke 15. That's where we're at today. You can follow along in the YouVersion Bible app as well. Um, the YouVersion app is, is 
free, it's easy to get, easy to download. The screens will tell you how to, how to find those. And so we began this series on, on the prodigal son, and we began it by looking at um, the first part. So in Luke 15, Jesus tells three stories. He tells a story about a, a lost sheep, and then a lost coin, and then finally he concludes with a story about the lost son. And um, we're going we're gonna to begin to look at the, the story of the lost son this morning. Remember the three characters that are, that are seen in the first three verses of, of Luke 15. They are Jesus, the Pharisees, and the people that I call irreligious sinners. And the reason I call them irreligious is because One of the beauties of the story of the prodigal son is that it points out that both religious people and non-religious people are sinners. We're all sinners. And so so keep in mind those three characters because they show themselves in all three stories. Our big idea last Sunday was uh, was, was simply rejoice, Jesus receives sinners. The reason we rejoice that Jesus receives sinners is because I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We're all sinners, and Jesus receives us. But there were these groups of people, this group of people called the Pharisees that came to Jesus complaining that he ate with sinners and tax collectors, these awful people, and they're complaining about it. And Jesus is telling them, listen, you have to rejoice because I sit and I eat with these people. And so that's where we pick up Luke chapter 15, verse 11, the story of the prodigal son. Let's go to God and ask him to speak to our hearts before we get into the scriptures this morning. Father, you are good and you are great. Father, I thank you that we see both of those characteristics in this story. Father, because you are good, you leave the door open for us to return. Father, because you are good, you go out and you talk to the older brother that's standing in the field, refusing to come in. Father, because you are great, you run to us when we're far from you. I thank you for the richness of your love. And I pray today as we dive into the depths of your word that you would show us who you are. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Luke 15, 11 is where we pick up. We're going to read the entire story this morning. I don't know if we're going to do this next week I, uh, as far as reading the whole story. Um, we might just take a, a chunk, but I want to read the whole story so you know kind of where we're going this morning. Luke 15, 11 says this, to illustrate the point further. What point? What point is he illustrating further? Rejoice, Jesus received sinners, right? It was the whole point of the first two stories, and it's the same point in in the third story. Rejoice, Jesus received sinners. That's the point he's making. Jesus told him this story. A man had two sons. How many sons did the man have? Two sons. You're with me. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. And his father agreed to divide the wealth between the two sons. 
A few days later, this young son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted his money on wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land. And he began to starve. Verse 15. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him. And the, the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods that he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and I will say, father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as your hired servant. So he returned home and his father, to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and he kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to his servants, quick, bring me the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf that we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And so the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working, and when he heard, sorry, and when he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants, what was going on? Verse 27, your brother is back. He was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing that you told me to do. And in all that time, you never gave me a young goat or a, for a feast with my friends. Yet this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes. You celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His brother or his father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed with me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And that's where the story concludes with the brother hanging outside the party never coming inside, but that is for another week. We're going to get there. Today, we're going to go back to verses 11, 12, and 13. We're going to look at those three verses, and now you're understanding why it's going to be a long series, right? Because we're going to go, we're, we're going to take our time with this. The first three verses, we see a story of, we see the story of the prodigal son begin, and it's a story that Dr. Kenneth Bailey that I told you about in the cross and the prodigal calls this. 
He calls this story a compassionate father and two lost sons. A compassionate father and two lost sons. How many sons did the father have? Two sons. Often we only talk about one of them. Verse 12 says the younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So the father agreed to divide the wealth between the two sons. There are a few things that I want to point out about the request that the younger brother makes. And I want to look at the younger brother and his request, but then I want to look at the older brother, and then for the remaining time, we're going to look at the father and what, how he reacts. So the first thing that I want you to see about the request is this. This request is a death wish. Now, we often, I don't know about you, but I often just read God's word and just like, I don't always process it as I read it, unless I'm really studying it and really diving into it. And that takes time, let's be honest. And so a lot of times in the morning, I'll just read the scriptures and not really allow like the context and everything else to, to speak to me. But when you, when you dive into the context, you see the richness and the depth that God has for us. And I think we often miss it. And so um, in this request, I want you to see and point out to you that this is a death wish. When does a child or a, an adult child, hopefully an adult child, receive an inheritance? When their parents are dead, right? And so the young man is saying to his dad, I want my money now before you die. He's saying, dad, guess what? I wish you were dead. You know, this is often how we look at our relationship with God. When we rebel against him, when we go against what he says for us, we're saying, God, you know what? Your words don't matter. And I kind of wish you were, weren't there. I kind of wish you were, you were dead. The younger son in this request elevates his estate over his identity. He elevates the prize over who he was. He elevates the possession over who he was. Can I say this is how we treat God in our own lives? We often will choose the comfort of the pleasure, the benefits. We want all the grace and forgiveness and love without the suffering, without the hard times. God's like, why would I take, take the hard times off your plate when they send you to your knees? And we oftentimes want a God that's just rainbows and butterflies and soft with no hard times. 
Now, I'm not saying that hard times and suffering and all that is, is, a, is a requirement for your salvation. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying we often want a God that doesn't allow any of that stuff to happen. We want the benefits without the identity, without who we are, without Jesus. And in our rebellion, what we're really saying is, God, I, I just wish that you weren't there in the first place. The second thing that I want to notice about the request is this. Are you guys with me? Because we're only through one point. So if you're not with me, I'm in trouble. I want you to see how he words what he says. He says, I want my share of your estate now. He doesn't say, I want my inheritance now. And it's really important that we understand this. Because inheritance would mean authority. Inheritance would mean control. So what he says is, I want my share of your property now. You see, in the original language, um, the Bible, newsflash, the Bible wasn't written in English. It was written in Greek, Aramaic, and Hebrew, right? And so in the original language here, which is Greek, the word that is used is the word usia. And the word usia means property or wealth. It doesn't mean inheritance. That's a different Greek word. The Greek word for inheritance is the word kleiruma, which I just totally just said some syllables there. <laughs> this is why I don't speak Greek or teach Greek. Kleiruma, right? That word is used 14 times in the New Testament. It's the word inheritance. That's what it's translated to. This isn't inheritance that he's asking for. He's asking for property. In fact, he's asking for a share of his dad's property without the responsibility. Can I put it in context? For us? He doesn't want to budget. With responsibility of money comes budgeting. Right? He, do, he just wants the money, and, he, and oftentimes we want... We want all the money because we think all the money is going to cause all, we're going to, did I say cause all the problems? I meant solve all the problems. And if I had more money, pastor, I'd give more to the church. If I had more money, then I'd budget for the 10% that God asked for. You see, the reason I think 10% is in, is in the scriptures is because God knows that 10% stretches us to the point that we need to budget. The only way that I can give 10% is if I give it first. If it's the first thing that I give to him. And so the, the prodigal, not to make this about giving, but the prodigal, he wants the money without the responsibility. Notice, he says, your share of the property. When we refuse to give God his share 
of what he's already given us? It's disobedience. He wanted money without control. He didn't want inheritance. He wanted property. This is what we do when we just throw out God's instructions. We can't just say, God, I want grace and no law. Grace and law go together. It's hand and glove. Because the law shows us we need Jesus. And so we obey the law because we're in Christ. Jesus didn't come disobeying the law. He followed, he fulfilled the law. So verse 13, read it with me. It says this. A few days later, this young man, young son, packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money on wild living. He wasted it all on wild living. If you write in your Bibles, um, or, or um, if you follow along in the YouVersion Bible app, just highlight um, that verse, but underline your Bibles a few days later, because it's really important for the context. Because what a few days later shows us is that he didn't care how much money he sold the property for. Newsflash. They didn't have trust funds in the New Testament. They didn't have stocks. He couldn't just, the father couldn't just digitally divide the wealth. He had to do it in property, in money. And when he gives the property and the money, he, get, he has to give it to both sons. And what the younger son is saying is, I want my property your share of my property, and I'm going to take it, and I'm going to sell it. And a few days later, he leaves town. You know what a few days later tells me? It tells me that he didn't wait around for the best offer. You know what that means? He sold low. You know what that means? He ripped off the entire town. Because he drove down the property value by... If my neighbor sells his house in this market for $100,000, which is ridiculous, by the way, yeah. I'm not happy. And so point number three that this request does is it cuts off his roots. He cuts off his roots with this request. He's like, Dad, I don't care who I am anymore. And I'm just going to sell low so I can get out of town, so I can get the money, and I can be selfish. He didn't say that. But that's what, that's what we do. Man, 11 o'clock's quiet this morning. <laughs> and he cuts off his roots. Can I tell you that when we cut off our roots... As a follower of Jesus, we do it by forgetting who we are. And in this moment, the young prodigal substitutes 
the passing for the permanent. Let me say that again. He substitutes the passing for the permanent. You know what that means? That means he took 15 seconds of pleasure and he threw it all away for that 15 seconds. For this little blip of time, he threw away all who he was. This is a major factor in the story. Because in, in the New Testament, most people would introduce themselves as, Hi, I'm Adam Harold from the house of Bill Harold. Right? And that person that I go to, if I'm looking for a job, which later on he does, if I'm looking for a job, I will then get hired based on my family, based on who my family was. And he cuts off his roots with this request. Children of God, listen to me. I believe it's time that we start emphasizing who, whose house we are from. That we start hiring people of like, like mind and like faith. That we start emphasizing followers of Jesus. That doesn't mean that we don't, that, that if you're not a follower of Jesus, that we don't receive you. We just see you in who God wants you to be. And so he cuts off his roots. Number four, the fourth thing that we see about this request is that he doesn't break the law. There was no law saying that he couldn't ask for his inheritance early. But he did break the father's heart. He didn't break the law, but he broke the father's heart. And that brings me to today's big idea. The one thing, if you take anything home with you, it's this one thing I want you to take. God grants us freedom even to reject his love. God grants us freedom, even freedom to say, no, God, I don't want to follow you. I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty reckless to me. Did you get my joke there, Christians? Yeah. All right. Whatever. Corey Asbury fans? No? All right. Now you're with me? Okay, good. He gives us freedom, even freedom to reject his love. What a great God. What an insane God. Because I don't know about you, but if my kids reject my love, they're cut off. You reject my love, we're done. Because I'm human. I'm not God. Isn't that how we are? He, he gives us freedom even to reject his love. By the way, Anna and Graham, you're always welcome back home. Three things we see about the older brother. So first we talked about the younger brother. Second, we talked about the older brother because we miss so much about the younger brother. That's why we only talk about the we miss so much about the older brother because we only talk about the younger brother. Man, I got to get on with it. This is the third service, by the way. Number one, the older brother knows the whole story. 
I mean, like the whole story. He knows everything about this conversation. He knows what led up to the conversation. In fact, he may have even been part of the cause of the conversation, Dr. Bailey says. He knows the backstory. He knows it all. And it's, that's important. Number two, he refuses his responsibility as being the mediator. Culturally said that if any two people were in conflict, the closest person to them in relationship has the right to be the mediator of the conflict. They have the right to stand between the two and to bring them together to have a conversation so that healing could take place. But the older brother doesn't do that. You would think, you would think that he would have at least reminded the younger son about how good the father's love is. You would have thought, but he doesn't. He doesn't mediate. And that's the beauty of this story. Because he doesn't mediate, you see there's some sort of conflict going on with the older brother and the father. We don't talk about the conflict because he's always in the house. He doesn't leave. He's followed all the rules. That's what he says at the end of the story. But there's something broken because his neglect to be the mediator shows that he doesn't care about the younger son, his brother, or his father. Can I say something to the church right now? Church, this is why when you see someone not living for Jesus, one, it should break your heart. But two, you should get involved. Like, not like really involved. <laughs> I'm not telling you to go get in people's business and meddle, right? We don't want to meddle. But step in and say, hey, man, you know what? Like, it's wrong for you to be cheating on your wife. I went for the, for the high one. Like, like that's, that's really, <laughs> that's way up there. Like, the obvious like, when you do that, you don't just break your wife's heart, you break God's heart. It's okay for us to point out when people aren't matching their identity in Christ. Step in and say, brother, you can do better. If you see anything in my life, I give you permission. Come to me and say, brother, you can do better. Be a mediator with your friends that say that they're followers of Jesus. Number one, he knows the whole story. Number two, he refuses the responsibility of mediator. Number three, he doesn't stop the younger brother from living. Leaving, sorry. He doesn't stop the younger brother from leaving. Because of the broken relationship with the father, the father would not have gone out culturally, would not have chased him because the relationship is broken. He doesn't have the right to do that anymore. The younger son had broken that relationship. 
The older brother is still supposed to be in relationship with the father. And because of that, he's supposed to do everything he can to restore the relationship. But he doesn't. He doesn't chase him. He doesn't go after him. Oftentimes we miss because we live in America with paved roads and cars. We miss how treacherous the travel was. When someone would travel, they wouldn't know if someone was going to come home. And so anytime someone would return home, there would be a celebration, which is what we get later on in the story is a celebration for the return home. But that's actually not what the celebration is about, which we're going to get to in a few weeks from now. That's like way down the road. But usually there'd be a celebration because someone had come home from a hard, treacherous journey. But the, younger, the older brother didn't even care that his brother was leaving. And that brings me to the father. To conclude, I want to talk about him just a little bit. And unfortunately, I've only got nine minutes to tell you a little bit about the father. So I, I just have have one thing I want, to, one I want to remind you of and one thing I want to tell you about him. The thing that I want to remind you of is that God grants us freedom even to reject his love. You know, I think another reason why I love this story, by the time this series is over, you're going to have 5,000 reasons why Pastor Adam loves the story of the prodigal son. But reason number 399 is this. I love that Jesus uses the example of the Father to explain who he is. Because we believe in the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The same characteristics that Jesus has are the same characteristics that the Father has. And I'm tired of churches and people throwing out my God who is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We want to just worship the Holy Spirit or just worship Jesus. That's all love and forgiveness. But we don't want to worship the Father because we don't understand why he would kill people in the city of Jericho after people marching around the walls. But the same God of the Old Testament provided the sacrifice of Jesus in the New Testament. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And my God is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And it's time that we return back to understanding that God is also the Father. I love that Jesus uses the example of the Father because I believe that every characteristic of the Father in this story is the characteristic of God the Father. And here's what I see about the Father in these first three verses. He was heartbroken. He was heartbroken. He granted the request, but his heart was torn in two. 
And it was because of the heartbreak that the younger son knew that he could come home. You see, the heartbreak of God leaves the door open. The heartbreak of Adam Harold slams that door and you can't come back. Not really. But God's broken heart left the door open. And when our relationship was broken with him, was broken with him because of our disobedience in the Old Testament, he provided Jesus the sacrifice to be the new covenant to bring us into relationship with him all because of his broken heart. What a great God. I don't deserve him. And I know you don't either. So in conclusion, there's no doubt that my sin breaks my God's heart. There's no doubt. But I want you to know today that no matter how bad something that you've done has been, no matter how bad it is, the door's still open. It broke God's heart, yes, but his door is still open. that cost him so much. But what do I get? I get a free ticket home. And that's what we'll talk about next Sunday. Stand on your feet. I want to pray with you. The free ticket home that we think that we have to pay for. We'll talk about that next Sunday. I'm, I'm warming up. I've got, I've got notes forming in my mind as we speak. You know, um, God loves you. But this thing called the Christian life, it's not easy. We're not the kind of church that's going to tell you, it's, it, come to Jesus, everything's going to be better. We'll say, come to Jesus, It'll get better, but it's going to be work, right? The door's always open. So with this type of message and this type of scripture, there are a lot of different ways that you can go. But we always, we always say, what's your next step? What is it that God has shown you about him today that he wants you to act upon this week? Where is it in your life that you have to appreciate the love of the Father that always welcomes you home? Maybe you've received Jesus. Maybe you're a son or a daughter of him. Maybe you just need to be obedient with what he's given you and stop just asking for his portion, robbing him of his portion. Maybe it's that you actually need to just come home today. Our, our next steps is open to my right, your left. They wanna pray with you. We've got seven minute head start that'll help you get down the road 
with the next step, whatever it is. But this step right here is most important. The step home. I want to help you. If you need to come home to Jesus this morning, would you say this prayer with me? Say, God, I know I've done wrong. And I know in doing wrong, I've broken your heart. But because of Jesus and through Jesus, you've left the door open for me. And God, today, the best way that I know how, I walk back through that door. I want to come home to you. Thank you for the blood that Jesus shed on the cross for my sins so that I can come home to be with you. Father, make me your son or your daughter and help me live in that identity. I love you, Lord. Send Jesus in my prayer. Amen. If you said that prayer, there's a card in front of you. Check all that applies. Drop it in the black box. I want to follow up with you. Go by Next Steps. They want to pray with you. If you have any prayer requests today, don't leave home without being prayed for. We love you. Have the best week of your life. We're going to sing one more song and then we'll be dismissed.